Women of strength, you are listening to the feedback link, and I cannot wait for today's story. Reading this story, just there's so many twists to this, not even twists, I should say, just like factors to this story. And we have our friend Rachel telling it from Florida. So welcome, Rachel. Thank you so much. I'm so, so honored to be on this podcast. I can't believe um, I'm actually getting to share this amazing, amazing <laughs> journey with you guys. So thank you oh, for having me. <laughs> well, we are honored that you are here with us. And yeah, I feel like there's there's quite a few things within your story. Things um, like baby's position, placenta previa, which we're going to talk a lot about at the end, mm-hmm. um, even dental stuff, close, kind of some close durations. So there's a lot of things that I feel like people can relate to this story. So um, I will read a review and then we will get right into your beautiful story. Today's reviewer is Haley222222. And it says, I can't recommend enough. I found this podcast shortly after my C-section in 2019 with my first and it has helped me so much. My doctor had told me I was only going to be able to have four children because I was going to have C-sections from here on out. This podcast opened my eyes to the possibilities I didn't have a clue about, and I had options. Oh, and I just scrolled. Okay, here we go. It says, I was able to find providers that I trusted and actually believed in me. I prepared for my VBAC, and unfortunately, my first VBAC was a stillborn at 26 weeks, second baby boy in October of 2022. So sorry to hear that, Healy says, although it was heartbreaking, it was truly amazing experience, and I can't wait to have another vaginal birth, hopefully with a better outcome and a baby we can bring home. I am pregnant with my third now, and I'm re-listening to all the episodes, and I'm so excited to do this. I am in the process of hiring a doula, and we will be taking a birth course this time around. It says, thank you so much for creating this podcast, and I'm so grateful for all that I have learned. Well, Haley, thank you so much. I am, again, I'm, my condolences to you with your second and congrats with your third. And thank you so much for sharing your review. You are tuned into the VBAC Link podcast with Megan Heaton, who is a longtime doula and VBAC mom herself, here to help you get inspired for birth after having had a C-section. Along with this podcast, the VBAC Link offers blogs, resources, and a comprehensive VBAC course for both parents preparing for birth and doulas wanting to take their VBAC education to the next level. Be sure to follow Megan and her team on all social media platforms for even more. Although these podcast episodes are VBAC specific, it is encouraged for all expectant moms to listen and educate themselves on how to avoid a C-section from the get-go. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is not meant to replace advice from any other qualified medical professional. Here is your host, Megan. Hi guys, Megan here. I'm not sure if you knew, but I'm a vaginal birth after two cesarean mama myself. Preparing for my VBAC was tough due to the lack of evidence-based info back then, along with where to find it. Which is why I, along with Julie, created this podcast and our signature course, How to VBAC. The course is self-paced so you can watch it whenever your kiddos are sleeping or even at school. It's filled with evidence-backed data, tips and advice to help you go after the birth you want and achieve your VBAC. You can find the link to the course in the show notes today or type in the browser thevbaclink.com slash vbac-class. Okay, we have our friend Rachel. And like I said earlier, <laughs> she is from Florida. And she is actually 
So you are the full, like you're a dentist and you have your own clinic. This yes. Right? Yep. Yes. I'm a pediatric dentist. So I only yes. work on children and we have a private practice in Pensacola, Florida, which is, it's kind of like the panhandle of Florida. It's lower Alabama, kind of LA, you know, but uh, it's on that, that end of the spectrum, not right like there. South Florida. So yeah. <laughs> awesome. That is so exciting. So, yes. so exciting. Thank well, thank you so much for being here with us. I would love to turn the time over to you to share this story. And then at the end, we'll get into that placenta previa and then some dental Interesting mm-hmm. dental stuff. I know. Who would have thought that dentistry could be related to C-sections? Who, but, yeah. who would have thought? Like Crazy. really though, right? <laughs> I know. It's all related, you know? We never talk about it. I so I'm excited to. Well, I guess I'll just get started with my children journey. And again, I'm just like so thankful that I get to talk on this podcast. I listen to you guys every single day when I was preparing for VBAC and Megan, what you're doing is like, is changing so many people's lives. Mm-hmm. And like we talked about, you know, I'm sure recording podcasts can get a little crazy, like with any job that we do, but you really are making such a difference and in so many people's lives. So I really thank you for that. Oh, thank so. you. Thank oh, yes. You. So, okay. My children journey, I guess what you could say started in Gainesville. So me and my husband were living in Gainesville. He was finishing up an orthodontic residency at that time. And I was working as a pediatric dentist. Um, I had just finished residency and I was working at a private practice. So we became pregnant with our first baby. Um, They said I had a subchorionic hematoma around seven Mm -hmm. weeks and said, you know, don't worry. It's pretty, it's pretty common thing. I think. Um, It is. Yeah. So came back for follow-up ultrasound anyway, at 10, around 10 weeks, there was no heartbeat. So we had a miscarriage. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. They gave me two options, either the misoprostol pill, I think, to pass the baby or the DNC. Yeah. The, or the DNC. And, you know, I, I, after talking to a lot of people, I just decided to have the DNC. It just seems like less emotionally scarring. So anyway, Mm -hmm. so we did that. So right around that time, the day before surgery, the whole COVID thing, you know, in 2020 started and they said for some reason, dentists were considered non-essential. So everything was shut down for the whole month of April. I had never not worked in my whole life. And they, you know, this was the most time I'd ever had off ever. So it was crazy. So we, I was not working. I had the scheduled DNC that morning I had had like a 99 degree fever or something. So Mm. my OB in Gainesville was amazing because the whole hospital staff, they're like, oh my gosh, she might have COVID. We can't do the surgery. And yeah, yeah, it's so crazy. So my OB had to vouch for me to say that I didn't have COVID, I guess, that we can still do the the DNC. Anyway, I'm pretty sure I was the last elective surgery to have done. And then after the date, literally, I think it was March 20th and like the day after they stopped doing elective surgeries and stuff. So that's, I was super thankful for that. Um, It's Dr. Aaron in in Gainesville and she was just awesome. So we had the miscarriage. So super tough time for me and my husband. Um, Mm -hmm. I just remember like praying and asking God to comfort us, you know, because like the Bible says we're Christians and, and I just really believe that that God is close to the brokenhearted and it says he's near to the brokenhearted and, but it's still like hard though. Cause yeah. he's not like here to comfort you physically. So I just remember I was praying and there was like this, this dove that came 
to our house and just like lived what? in our backyard. It was so crazy for like several weeks. And he just that like just gave me the chills. The it is. I'm telling you, like I prayed so hard because, you know, it's like he can comfort you, but he's not like give you a hug or something. And yeah. I don't know. Yeah. You know what I mean? So literally this dove came and lived in our yard and that dove was there. I'm not even kidding you. The day before, well, the day that I found out I was pregnant again, the dove just like left and we we're like, uh, where did that uh, dove go? He's like living in our yard and now he's not there. And it was the day I found out I was pregnant with our second baby or, you know, our first baby. And yeah. it's just like, it was so insane. And, um, Oh and so, so yeah, so moving on from that, um, that was the first crazy thing. So I, um, I had wanted a puppy after the miscarriage and, um, we had a really small courtyard. So my husband's like, well, if you get a, a puppy, I'm getting a monkey. And I'm like, no, I was <laughs> like, monkey? well, if you really do want a monkey, you know, I can look into go it to finding us a monkey if you'll let me have a puppy. And he's like, okay, deal. Well, he knows not <laughs> to put anything past me after that because <laughs> I found the monkey and we currently have a little squirrel monkey. His name is Rocco and oh we have Malty Poo. His name's Remy. And so the week after we got our monkey, we felt that's when we found out we were pregnant again. And I was like, oh shoot, now we have a monkey and a puppy and now we're going to have a baby. <laughs> and now we're going to have a baby. <laughs> that's our life though. If you know me, that's just that's just how my life goes. It's just like the more fun, the better. So I love um, it. anyway, so I was pregnant with the second one. I also had a subchorionic hematoma in the beginning. And Dr. Aaron was like, okay, I know I told you not to worry about it last time, but seriously, it's usually not a big deal. But you know, you're still worried because if you have the same yeah, thing. Trigger back a little bit. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was just a little worried about that, but you know, kept pressing forward. So then fast forward later, everything's healthy. Six months into pregnancy, I found out we got a great opportunity to move back to Pensacola, which is where I'm from. It's about six hours away from Gainesville. It's it's near my hometown, which my parents live here. So a pediatric dentist, Dr. Stu Bonin was selling his dental practice in Pensacola. So we kind of decided to merge together and transition. So I went there and we so we found out let's see I was probably like seven months pregnant when we moved to Pensacola Mm -hmm. and so I'm starting up I mean I'm like seven months pregnant I'm starting brand new seeing all these patients I'm just getting to know my husband started an orthodontic practice next door which is like this is just like a dream come true we have always wanted to do this and just the doors opened up to where it could happen and you know timing sometimes seems crazy but it just yeah. happened that way. So, I mean, I remember we moved here December 24th, 2020. So Christmas Eve, U-Hauls are a lot cheaper than, by the way. So Christmas oh. <laughs> Eve, because um, our family had COVID, so we weren't going to go see them anyway. So I remember waking up Christmas Eve or Christmas Day morning. I was sleeping on an air mattress. We had just bought our house, moved everything in. And I'm just like, wow, what a whirlwind. This is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> like, so we... So we moved halfway through. Um, I'm a new business owner. So then I started seeing patients. I'm about eight months pregnant. I'm trying to establish rapport with my new patients. And, you know, I just I just decided it was in their best interest to work up until my due date. So it was, so I worked up until my due date. At this point, I had no knowledge of birthing a baby at all. I am just focused on, which it was my fault. I should have 
like researched everything, but I just, there's just a lot going well, on. Oh yeah. <laughs> Don't put too much pressure on I yourself know. there. But like, I mean, knowing what I knew now. Had a lot of juggling <laughs> pieces I know listen and plus I was like I don't want to know how the baby gets here I just want to know what to do after it gets here so I really did yeah. a lot of like taking care of babies reading how to get them to sleep through the night and I really yeah. wanted to breastfeed so I was like kind of focused on what to do when the baby gets here you know which but, also is something that a lot of the times <laughs> we forget to do I know I know it's all it's all it's all hard but so I worked up until my due date two weeks went by or not two weeks went by. I was just expecting to, I was expecting mm-hmm. to be two weeks late for some reason. Cause I was two weeks late as a baby. My husband was two weeks late oh. and we were both first babies. And I'm like, it's going to be fine. I'll probably just be a little late. So a week passed. Um, and I had found an OB here. They did, you know, the BPP thing, the biophysical profile and, um, my OB, like everything had been healthy. Nothing was out of the ordinary. She started talking about inducing me because I had low borderline low amniotic fluid. That's Mm. the reason they gave me. So I guess amniotic fluid level from my understanding can be anywhere from five centimeters to 25 centimeters is, and mine was a seven. So she's like, Mm. you know, it's borderline low. The baby's not in distress, but the older your placenta gets, the more likely that you'll have a stillbirth or you can have, you know, babies born with cerebral palsy or, you know, complications. And I'm like, so I had big words. Yeah. Really and I'm words. like, oh my gosh, yeah. well, I don't want that. Like yeah. I trust, like I trust my doctor. I'm a doctor. Yeah. I feel like I look out for people's best injuries. I mean, I know I just deal with baby teeth, but like I truly want the best for my patient. So I know she was probably recommending the same thing, which yeah. you know, all of that is not, it's not, not true. But anyways, knowing what I know now, I'm just like, what in the world? So she recommended that I be induced because of the borderline low amniotic fluid and that the longer time passes by the increased chance of stillbirth. Mm-hmm. So I had done, so because I had done zero birth education, I had nothing to really guide my decision-making process on. And my husband wasn't there because it was all COVID stuff and he couldn't come to any of the appointments. So I was kind of like making these decisions on my own. So yeah. I, I was just like, okay, we'll get deuce. That's fine. You know, I only had a month off for maternity leave anyway. So I'm like, okay, it, it'll probably work out that, mm-hmm. that the baby's born more on then time. Have so. some time. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So the day before I just, I don't know, I just had this really bad feeling and I called the doctor's office and I was like, Hey, can, is there any way we can like postpone the induction? I was just like really nervous. And they're like, no, that's the only time we don't recommend that. We really, I, this is the best thing. I'm like, okay. So I got to the hospital I started on what is it? Is the serv is it cervidil or mesoprostol? Yeah, it's cervidil. The, so the cervidil is pill like the thing. insert. So the pill is like it's yeah. cytotech, and then there's okay. like the tampony looking thing, and that's cervidil. Okay, I think that might have been what that was. Um, yeah. So yeah, so I did that. I got just two centimeters dilated, and they started the pitocin. So then after the pitocin, you know, it was a gentle induction. So. The doctor I went to, I guess, is known for gentle induction. So that was good. Um, mm-hmm. I got to two centimeters dilated. And then, so our daughter's name is Heidi. Her heart rate started dropping. Even this mm-hmm. early on, I was only two centimeters dilated. Mm-hmm. Every time they turned the Pitocin up, it would drop. So I, I was just like, take, just take me off of everything. Let's just wait. So then the OB came in and she's like, you know, we've already had non-reassuring fetal heart rates. 
I hope I'm using the correct words, but that, yeah. I think that's what it is. Correct. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just like not looking good. So we would recommend at least some kind of intervention at this point. So she's like, maybe just get an, an like, I was like, well, what about an epidural? She's like, maybe you could use an epidural. It would help you relax and just, you know, speed things along. Well, so I got epidural and then Heidi's heart rate dropped again. And, you know, this just kind of kept happening. And I just, I will never forget. There's this, a really like a kind of a younger nurse. The doctor wasn't there. It was like 2 a.m. And she came walking in the room and she said, hey, um, so the doctor just told us that we need to prep you for a C-section. And I'm just like, what? A C- like a C-section? Excuse me? Um, no one told me this is a possibility. Like, you know, you don't, I had never even like researched what that was. I never even knew that was a possibility. I mean, I, you know, so a lot of us don't like, I mean, it's, I'm stupid for not realizing that is a possibility, but at the same time, like you're not planning on, it's just like an unplanned surgery. So yeah, we go in thinking we're just going to have this baby, (laughs) which we do have a baby, but we just don't envision it that way. I know. And so, I mean, and I just truly wanted what was best for my baby girl. Like if it meant a C-section to save her life and obviously that's what I would do. But I was kind of just realizing this cascade of interventions was just leading to one thing that leading to another thing, leading to another thing. And, and I just was so upset. And so the OB got there and finally my husband is like, Whoa, like, okay, what is going on here? Like he mm-hmm. talked to her and he's like, let's just take her off everything and see, see how her heart rate is. And we literally asked her, we were like, listen, if you think our baby is going to like lose oxygen or something dangerous yeah. where it's going to save her life to do a C-section. We will do a C-section, but if she is okay and we can work through, like the nurses were changing my position and the heart rate would get better. So I think sometimes mm-hmm. I think the cord can just get compressed or things yeah. like that. So, and she literally looked at us and she, like, I was really upset. I don't even know what I said. I probably said I was just really upset. So but she was looked at us. She's like, okay, yeah, heart rate looks great. You're doing great. Let's give it that's I'm okay with that. Let's just give it a little bit longer. So we, it was probably like another 12 hours, but she, that we had done that. And then, um, though long story short, the same thing happened again. And after she gave me time and at that point, I, I think I had regressed to six centimeters and I was like, okay, we're yeah. going to have this baby. This is looking good. Even the nurse said it was looking good. But then what I think the final thing that happened is I started running a fever. Mm-hmm. And then when I ran a fever, the heart rate shot up. Yeah. And it was super high, like like one, yeah, like tachycardic. And so I'm like, okay, this is not looking good. So at this point, I'm like, it's, it's been like 72 hours. I mean, I have mm-hmm. so much fluids. I've been on an IV. So we're like, okay, look, we really need to, to do this. So I was kind of expecting it at that point, even though I was like super upset and super sad. Yeah. Um, I was like, just kind of like waving my little white flag. So, yeah. I mean, we did what we could and they prepped me for a C-section. I mean, it was like the craziest thing I've ever experienced because you're like, that as soon as everything went really good with the C-section, I mean, the, the OB was great with the C-section. All the team was really fast. I was, I kept saying, I can still feel some pressure. Give me some more medicine. I'm like more, more, more. So I was so numb that like my intercostal muscles were numb mm-hmm. all the way up into my chest. And so it was like, 
kind of hard to breathe, hard to but, breathe. I, yeah. Yeah, but I like just knew it was just because my muscles were kind of numb. So I was okay with it, but it was so crazy because I'm like, I'm so happy. I heard my daughter cry. So mm-hmm. I know she was healthy. I know she was there and it was just like the best moment ever. But at the same time, it's you're sad because you don't, I mean, everybody that's talked on this podcast, you know, the feeling of like, you're so happy your baby's here, you're healthy. I mean, there could be mm-hmm. way worse other things. But at the same time, it's just like, this is not what I was expecting. You're just like, yeah. it's crazy. And so anyway, she had to go to the NICU because um, there's like fluid on her lungs. But mm-hmm. So she had to have help with oxygen. And then she had to get IV antibiotics because they suspected chorioamnionitis. Mm, because of the fever. Yeah, because of the fever. So that wasn't proven. But they go ahead and put the baby on antibiotics before the results get back from pathology because it takes a while. And so they want to go ahead and get them on antibiotics just in case. So it came back and it wasn't choreo. So she, she had unnecessary antibiotics, but I get it. You have to have certain protocols in place. So she had to have that. She was in the NICU a couple, just a couple of days. It wasn't bad. And I was able to breastfeed. You know, it is a struggle. You have to like really make sure you're on a strict schedule when your baby's in the NICU, you have to like go feed them and then pump especially when your milk's coming in. So, yeah. so that was hard, but we were able to, to do um, the breastfeeding, which is good. And oh, Heidi had a lot of donor milk in mm-hmm. the NICU because it was good that they gave her donor milk. So I'm, I always joke around. I'm like, she's going to have the best immune system uh, because of all the donor milk that she had. So mm-hmm. side note, whoever donates breast milk, you guys are amazing. I just cannot believe that is a thing. So thank you to whoever donated breast milk. So anyways, um, okay. So far, so fast forward to a follow-up, everything's looking good after the C-section. Heidi's doing great. I'm like so happy. And so I wanted to share this, which, um, I don't know if a lot of people, uh, if anybody's ever experienced this, but I talked to my provider and I mean, I really liked her other than she suggested the induction and I just really wasn't that on board, but she's like, yeah, in the future, you, definitely be a candidate for a VBAC. But then I got this letter in the mail. I'm just going to read it. It says, Dear Rachel, the patient-physician relationship is important in providing quality care, blah, blah, blah. I feel your unacceptable behavior toward me and the hospital (gasps) staff, as well as your unwillingness to follow my recommendations for your safety and the safety of your baby has jeopardized our relationship. Therefore, this letter serves to notify you. I will not be your, continue to be your provider. And I was like, so, so sad because I thought I'm like, I followed her recommendation. She thinks I put my baby at jeopardy. Like if she thought my baby was at jeopardy, she should have told me that I should have had the C-section earlier. So I just was, I just was so sad because, so I'm, I, I, as a physician, I'm not a physician, but I'm a dentist and all of my patients, I try to give them both sides to everything you know, sometimes not everybody is as informed as I am about teeth. Not, duh, we all don't know. That's why there's, you go to a doctor for That's advice. That's why you go to so, specialists. And, right. Yeah. So there's two, you know, so I try to give everybody, there's two sides. I try to inform them and then they make the decision. And if I don't ever want to force someone into doing something that they don't want to do. So I just, but also if someone doesn't take my recommendation, I'm not going to say, okay, you're dismissed from my practice. Yeah. So, I mean, but I get well, some people just don't feel comfortable treating certain people, which is fine. That is not, you know, I'm not bitter about that, but yeah. it's just, well, I don't just know. I was inter- just super floored yeah. that's that she would dismiss me as a patient because I didn't take her recommendation to get a C-section in the first place. 
but you did, you did, I, and then you had conversation, did. and she said, yeah, I'm totally fine with it. Let's right. keep going. Right. And even my doula. So I had a doula with me, Ashley Andrews. She is amazing. She's like my prayer warrior doula. And she even said, I I don't think you're out of line, Rachel. Like, I'm really confused. So yeah, anyways, so not to harp on that, but it was really sad. So um, it was really for the best because I started looking at other providers anyway, because I knew I wanted, uh, you know, another baby. So Okay, so here's the good part of the story. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> okay, so nine months later, we found out we were having another baby, and this time it was a boy. And so I found a different provider in Pensacola that was okay with me back. It's really hard, surprisingly, to find someone <sighs> that's know. like super on board. So I just, it really is like up to you to do the research and all of that, you know. And we also, we have doctors. People think doctors are there to like give you a magic pill and everything solved. Like doctors can't do anything if you don't kind of like make an effort on your end too. You know, yeah. like I feel like that's why there's so much, you know, like like diabetes and all of this, all of these things. It's just because you you have to do some kind of work on your end too to mm-hmm. to like educate yourself and realize that you can't just go to a doctor and expect them to fix all your problems. So yeah, I realize that. And I'm like, okay, that's in every situation. So I'm like, I have to become educated myself. I found you guys. I listened to your feedback podcast literally every single day at lunch. And mm-hmm. I would like cry on my lunch break. I'm like, such a loser, but I'm like, you are not. These stories are amazing. And I would just cry. And I'm like, wow, this is so awesome. Um, and my husband, my husband, I love him. He's so sweet. He's like, you guys should make a podcast for husbands, um, on how to deal with their wives whenever they decided that they're going to have a VBAC. Cause he's like, all right, I, I've already accepted all this stuff. It's fine. But, mm-hmm. but anyway, so, um, at 20 weeks I was diagnosed with complete placenta previa, not just partial. So okay. placenta is completely covering your cervix. Yeah. So my OB here in Pensacola, the new one, he was like, it's highly unlikely this is going to move. It's complete. It's very rare. Started talking about placenta accreta, how sometimes it can even grow into the C-section scar uh-huh. and and grow out into your other bladder. And so I'm like, whoa, this is, so I was so sad. I'm like, y'all, okay. I was like, okay, I guess this, I guess I'll just have another C-section. This is fine. So, but then I was like, okay, God, you said in the Bible, so Matthew 17, 20, if you need a reference, it says, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible. And I'm like, God, if you can move mountains, I know that you can move this placenta and I know that nothing is impossible for you. <laughs> so I just like started praying. In the meantime, my sister, she lived in Jacksonville. She had this great practice that helped her with her delivery. Um, Full Circle Women's Care, highly recommend. I also talked to a friend, Sandra Fetner. She had a VBAC with them and I talked to her about it and she was like, yes, you need to go there. So I had a Zoom conference or a like a telemedicine, whatever conference with Dr. Adams. And I was like, she's the um, owner there. She's the OB there. And she was like, okay, yeah, we even have some missionaries that will like go beyond in Africa or whatever, and then come fly here and then deliver mm-hmm. the baby here and then go back. So she's like, if you want to deliver here, that would be fine with me. You just see your provider in Pensacola. And then when it gets time, you just kind of make arrangements to stay in Jacksonville until you have the baby. So it it's sounds called dual it, care. 
Yeah, exactly. So I was like, if something crazy happens in Pensacola, I have the provider here. And yeah. I talked to my provider here and he was completely okay with it. And he's like, yeah, I mean, he's like, well, with the placenta previa, you might want to try to rent a private jet somewhere. And uh, so you can get there really quick. I'm like, okay, that's not going to happen, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so he was okay with it. So I didn't care. Dr. Adams, by the way, she, I wish, oh my gosh, she just has such passion for what she does. Like if you don't have passion for what you do and you don't enjoy it, it's just like, why are you doing it? She was actually had a C-section with her first baby and she's an OB. And so she's like, I understand how medicine is there if you need it, but sometimes it can just, you know, you need to let your body do what it was created to do. So I was like, oh my gosh, yes, girl, preach, preach. I'm going to come see you. I don't care about <laughs> the drive six hours. I'm going to come here. So I had, I scheduled a follow-up. Granted, it had only been two weeks from the, when I was diagnosed with placenta previa and coming to the follow-up, I had another ultrasound, all of that at full circle women's care. So my first appointment, my, my sister went with me and she, we were like, let's just not say anything. Let's just not say I had placenta previa. Let's just see what they say. And the ultrasound tech looked at everything and she was like, yeah, everything looks great. Your baby's healthy. We just might need to get one more little position of the head when you come back. And I'm like, what? I'm like, so then I'm like, okay, wait, you don't see placenta previa or anything going on. She's like, no, it's like the placenta is way over here. This is a placenta here. This is your cervix here. There's no, I don't, there's no placenta previa. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Like my mom had been praying, my dad, um, my mother-in-law, Angie, like, I'm like, y'all, you will not guess what just happened. And I sound like so crazy, but I'm like, God, move my placenta. <laughs> I even had Ashley, my um, doula, she had her Sunday school group. She's like, girl, we've been praying for you. So anyways, um, I know that's not the story with like everybody's, but it's just, it's just like so crazy. Like I really do believe that. And I'm just so thankful. So I had my appointment with Carol, one of the midwives. And she's like, yeah, everything looks great. You're due around September. We're going to do everything we can to help you have a successful VBAC. And she was like, I'm like, okay, Carol, you promise I don't have placenta previa. She's like, what are you talking about? Sweetie, your placenta is like far away from the cervix. And I just, I don't know. I just can't believe that that yeah. was the case. So I was just like, okay, I had this like regained uh, energy and like excitement. And I'm like, all right, we're back on track. Let's do it. And so then a couple of weeks later, I met with Dr. Adams and it's a group. So you meet with different people. And yeah. it's all so Carol, because you never, you don't know who's going to deliver you. But everyone I saw, I'm like, if you deliver me, I don't care. Everyone is great, fantastic. And so I met with Dr. Adams, and she's like, you know, have you, there's this thing that you can read, and it's like recommendations for TOLAC or to, how mm -hmm. to have a successful VBAC and how to ripen your cervix. She just had all the guidelines there, and she's like, okay, have you been following the guidelines? Have That's you been amazing. doing, um, have you been doing your daily squats to open your pelvis? And, doing the specific spinning babies exercises to get the baby in the right position. And I'm like, yeah, I've been doing my squats. And she's like, okay, let me see you do 20 squats right now. And this is at my OB appointment. And she's like, I'm like, uh, okay. okay. So she's like holding my hands, doing squats with me at the appointment, talking oh to me gosh, about I like what we that. need to do. And I'm just like, this is awesome. Like, anyway, so she really practices what she preaches. She's like, all right, then let me see you do some squats. Do it. <laughs> So I did that. Um, so, and then also going back. So for Valentine's day the of last year, you know, instead of giving me chocolates and stuff, my husband printed off 
the recommendations that they gave me because I'm like, you don't care about this as much as I do. Like, I wish you could just know what I'm going through. And he's like, okay, Rachel. So he printed off the the like guidelines, Aww. how to have a successful VBAC. And he highlighted all of the things. So I'm just going to like, this is on the OB's website, um, how to have your cervix open before birth. And I was like, okay, these are the things you need to do. And um, like at 20 weeks, drink red raspberry leaf tea. At 36 weeks, do acupressure, acupuncture, chiropractic care. At 37 weeks, take start taking evening primrose oil. At 38 weeks, start using clary sage oil and do breast stimulation unlike, you know, sex and all that stuff. And then at 39 weeks, you can do membrane stripping. So anyways, he's just so funny because he even bought all of these things and he's like, are you drinking your red raspberry tea? He's like, is it 36 weeks yet? Because that's when you need to start going to a chiropractor anyways. And so he just, um, that was awesome. So yeah, I was just doing everything you know, and it, I wasn't perfect. I, I tried to eat healthier and, and all that stuff, but you know, you do what you can, but I mean, mm-hmm. I'm, I work full time. I, I, at the end of the day, we're not perfect, but I try to do like all those things. So did that. And I, um, ended up, I had found a doula in Jacksonville and she helped me through hypno babies. And so I really got, it's super, hypno babies super interesting because it's like your mind really can, can help you control pain. And it's like, so mm-hmm. crazy like it really can and I'm like I even want to look into this for like my patients I think it'd be so cool if you could like learn to hypnotize mm-hmm. like an old patient I mean dentistry is scary especially for a kid so I'm always looking for for new things to try so okay so we go to Jacksonville I was due September 29th so I took a week off early from from work we closed the dental clinic down I had a dentist that's working for me too Dr. Vaughn and he is awesome thank you for working for me on maternity leave so um I closed for a week we just went to Jacksonville we had like a little mini vacay we took Heidi and she just really I feel like at least it was so much fun just to spend time just me and Edwin with our daughter for like a straight week and a a really Mm -hmm. long time and focus just on our family because We've had, we had had a lot going on up until then. So it was kind of just like a nice little breather away. Well, that's such a beautiful (laughs) way to spend the end of pregnancy. Sometimes we're in the end of pregnancy. We're so stressed or we're getting a lot of pressure from the outside world or um, whoever, right? Like why haven't you had your baby yet? Or why don't you induce? (laughs) And so it's nice to just kind of be with your family and like yeah. already create this space going into it. Yeah, it really was. It was like such a blessing um, that we were able to do that. And so I didn't have to like worry about, okay, let me do the last minute touches on the nursery, blah, blah, blah. It was just, just relaxing. So I'm like, okay, for sure this baby's going to come soon. I'm like super relaxed. I saw a shooting star. I'm like, all right, it's, it's going to happen. So it didn't. Um, so it's like <laughs> a week passed. Okay. So I'm already a week later. And then I still, it was like, I think I was like 41 in a few days. So I went back to, I had the BPP again and they start doing the, what is the monitor thing? The, um, they just do the heart rate monitor. Just a Doppler. Oh, yeah, a just, non-stress test. Yeah. yeah, yeah Non-stress test uh-huh. just to make sure everything's good. Yeah. And they kept saying like, everything's good, but we're just going to see you back. So they weren't like letting me go. And it's very, long. And- it's very standard. Yeah. That's that okay. like doing NSTs at 41 yeah. weeks, very standard. Yeah. Okay. So they, they were just doing all the things just to make sure everything's good. But Dr. Adams was like, I know you want to go into spontaneous labor on your own. If you're not by 42 weeks and like, she was willing to wait 
up until 42 weeks to Mm -hmm. do an induction. She's like, we'll do super gentle induction. Like we'll start with breast stimulation, Mm -hmm. like little, won't even go to Pitocin or anything. And I'm like, okay, I just, I really didn't want to even hear the word induction. So I'm like, okay, but she was great because she allowed me to wait all the way up until two weeks to schedule the induction. Like, whereas Mm -hmm. some people, it just depends on the hospital scheduling. And that is just, that's where modern medicine is, is like sad because you have to do the schedule and and your body's not on a schedule. It's just, and your, your due date is just a guest date. I mean, that's what I like. Jane is the doula in Jacksonville. She's like, so when's your guest date, you know, cause it is, it's like, we try to do what we can, but at the end of the day, it's like, you know, sometimes you just have to let nature take its course. So Mm -hmm. anyways, so I talked to Dr. Adams, everything was good. I was trying to go into labor on my own. My best friend from dental school, Jackie, she had actually like premature contractions at around 32 weeks. So her doctor was telling her all the things she needs to do to not go into labor. And I was trying to do all the things that they told that the opposite. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, what is your doctor saying? Okay, I need to do that. And I'm just like, golly, whatever you, you just go to show you like pregnancy, getting babies on this earth is just hard no matter what way you look at it. But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you're educated, it's a lot easier. So even Hurricane Ian was like brewing up and we had to move from our hotel because our hotel is on the beach. And they were like, hey, we have to evacuate the hotel because hurricanes come in. I'm like, oh, this baby's for sure coming. It's a hurricane. Yeah. And so, and so um, it didn't. The hurricane came and um, went. And so then I even drank midwives brew, all that stuff. Okay. And then it, I was like 41 five days, something like that. And our daughter, Heidi, she got really sick. She like, Mm. I guess, contracted something while we were there and she was throwing up. She couldn't keep anything down. And my husband was getting a little antsy. He's like, I I just have a lot of stuff I need to work on at home. You know, why don't you just stay here with your sister and then I'll take Heidi home and then Mm. I'll come back when you go into labor. Cause you know, and I was like, okay, sounds good. So he took Heidi home. She actually couldn't keep anything down when he got home, home as in Pensacola. So it was six hours away from Yeah. So he drove home and she actually had to be admitted to the ER because she had hydration. Yeah. She couldn't, she had to get IV, all that stuff. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, my daughter is in the hospital. I feel so guilty because I'm like, I've like been focusing on me and like making sure I don't have a C-section. Meanwhile, my daughter is at home in the ER. I'm like, I'm just, I was thinking about, I'm like, I'm just going to go home and I'll just be induced again. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I was just like, I just don't, I mean, you know, you, you just want what's best for your babies. That's why yeah. we're here. That's why we try to avoid C-section when we can, but, but have it when it's going to save our baby's lives. We just want what's best for our babies. So I just felt so guilty that I wasn't there with her, but anyways, she was fine. I finally, I went to Dr. Adams again. She, it was the first time I had had a check and she said, okay, you're like two to three centimeters dilated. And I'm like, why am I not in labor right now? Like I was two centimeters dilated at the hospital, like a couple hours in. So anyways, she's like, you are super favorable. You are two centimeters dilated. You're like at a, whatever, a plus station where your baby's really low and she's like, I'm surprised you're not in labor right now. It just, all you're waiting on is for this baby to say, okay, it's time for me to come into the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, we just don't know. Like, that's why medicine still has some mysteries to it. You just it really don't does. know what puts someone into labor. So mm-hmm. anyway, she did a membrane strip, which was great. Membrane stripping. Is that what it's called? Mm-hmm. Membrane sweep. Yeah. 
yeah, yeah. stripping or sweet mm-hmm. <laughs> she's like and she's like okay we we had the um induction scheduled for that thursday and it was a monday and she's like rachel you are gonna have this baby you're not gonna have to be induced we have a schedule just in case but you are gonna go into labor on your own and i'm like i really hope you're right so yeah. i went home me and my sister we went to a coffee shop and we just kind of like relaxed for a little bit and then um, we went home. We we're going to go see a movie. My brother lives in Jacksonville too. So me and my sister and my brother, we we're going to go see a movie together. He happened to be off work. It was like crazy. And so we were getting ready. And then I start having some, like I thought Braxton Hicks stuff, but some contractions. So anyways, it pr- really progressed and I it started getting uncomfortable. I didn't know what, you know, I thought I was like, okay. So we contacted our doula. We met her at the hospital she was like, do you really think y'all should go to the hospital? And I was like having trouble breathing through everything. So I'm like, I don't know. I'm, it might just be Braxton Hicks. So we got to the hospital. I couldn't really like, I don't know. I couldn't like breathe through it very good. So then Jane was, our doula was like, okay, let's just go to the hospital, get checked. And I'm like scared. I'm like, no, they're going to trap me. And they're going to like, mm-hmm. they're going to like make me stay. And then I'm going to have have to get a c-section again she's like rachel no that is not true so we ended up going i got my birth posse with me we go in and they checked me and i was only at a four and i'm like what the heck i'm such a wussy i'm only at a four (laughs) and then so they um i'm like let's just go back home and then carol was there the midwife that i really had a good connection with and she's like Rachel, I really don't recommend you going home. I really think things are progressing quick. You should just stay here and just relax. And then I talked to my husband too. Yeah, so as like, soon as uh, I, make your drive. Yeah, <laughs> I know. So he, as soon as I um, got admitted to the hospital, he, Heidi actually got dismissed. So he's like, we got two babies heading out. <laughs> oh like, my gosh. <laughs> and I'm like, you're such a nerd. So anyways, he's like, Rachel, stay at the hospital. You're being crazy. Just relax, do your hypno baby thing and I'll be there. So I did that and it was crazy. As soon as I just like zoned everybody out and just like put my little headphones on. to the space. Yeah, exactly. Had time to get acclimated. I was like, okay, this is going to be okay. This baby's coming and just relaxed. And then I got to like, as you know, things started getting a little cray cray, you know, at the little transit, what is it called? Transition. Transition. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now I know what people talk about with that. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, also I didn't have an epidural because I'm like, no, they slow things down. I do not want to get epidural. And so I was just, yeah. So that was great. And then the transition thing and then, it, okay, things started getting real serious. I, my sister was there with me because my husband couldn't be there. So I had my sister yeah. and doula. And I was like, Sarah, why did you let me talk? Why did you talk me into this? This is so stupid. I cannot believe I'm doing this. This is the dumbest thing ever. And then Jane was like, okay, I think she's like ready. And so, um, Usually um, when that like intense talk or doubt kicks in, yeah. it's like, mm, yeah, something good like, is happening yeah, right now. Exactly. So then, um, so then Carol came in, she checked me. I was nine and a half. I had a little lip circle wow. thingy and I was like oh my gosh no I could not believe it I was just like how in the world and Carol's like okay I think your husband's almost here so we can wait to pull the cervical lip out of the way until he gets here I'm like no we are not doing that <laughs> I'm like I'm not waiting he can he should have been here a little bit ago so anyways so we do that I'm like about to feel about to start pushing and so my brother was there at the hospital. He 
like met my husband out in the hospital parking lot and they're like literally sprinting up <laughs> they're like oh okay your daughter your baby's about to be born here you are and Luke like led him to the exact room Edwin comes running in he has like a backward baseball cap on I'm like I think you're like a I don't know crazy person coming in here there's like is this the baby daddy okay come in here so then even when the baby was like how he like I was pushing and I'm like oh my gosh the baby's gonna get stuck because I've heard stories that the baby gets stuck mm -hmm. when you get to 10 centimeters and Carol was so amazing she was like Rachel by the way she has like um um a british accent she's from africa and she's like the coolest person ever she just has like a calming voice and she's like rachel you are doing it you're about to have this baby and i'm like no oh. way i'm like are you serious and so like at that moment they she's like rachel you're having this baby this this is this is happening you're not it's too late to turn back he's not getting stuck and i'm like I'm crying. I'm like, this is the best feeling ever. Like my, so he was born, he's healthy. He's here. You know, I'm healthy. And I'm just like, this is how things are supposed to happen. It's just was super like the most amazing thing ever. You just can't explain it. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, I just can't believe that, that, that it actually happened and yeah. everything was great. And it's just like, I don't know, both, births were so polar opposite and like no no one birth is less important than the other like I don't ever want no. my daughter to think like oh my gosh I was a failure birth and then baby John his name John Edwin Witcher the third so Aww. and baby John's like a regular birth it's not about that it's just yeah you know, it's just like how God can take like our pain and our failures that we have and turn like beauty from ashes and it's just like that is what what happened and this is how this is how it's supposed to be and it was just the best feeling in the whole world and I was just so thankful and I can't mm -hmm. believe my husband made it there I didn't think he was but he did so close <laughs> yeah I was like oh my gosh and I do you know I do want to say like you know I'm not trying to diss on c-sections it's just like you you need it when you can but it's mm -hmm. like who you have as a provider is the most important thing like I trusted them and I knew that if she had recommended that I needed a C-section that I was going to say, okay, I know that I've tried everything I can that you, I'm going to trust you guys. And right. like, and she even said like the position of the baby is the most important thing. I mean, you have that baby has to be in the right position to, to do that. So, so anyways, just so the most beautiful thing ever. And I'm just so thankful. For oh everything. my goodness. <laughs> oh, it's such a beautiful story from honestly, from, from all of it, like from the dove in the yard I know, to flying crazy? away. I mean, to <laughs> moving and like driving six hours away. And like, you I know, know I, that's, a, those are hard decisions sometimes to make. And sometimes dual care is really hard too, because sometimes yeah. we'll have, we'll have um, providers disagreeing with, yeah. with the other provider. So yeah. that's really hard, but I mean, so beautiful. I could you just, know. I could see the emotion and I could hear the emotion <laughs> in your face. You know, you're so happy and it sounds just so beautiful. I know it's amazing. So it's, it's the best. Oh, well, thank you. And I, I do want to talk about that placenta previa because mm -hmm. it's kind of interesting, like to, to go from being diagnosed with, diagnosed with complete previa to so far away like that's a miracle yeah um and so crazy but 
a lot of the times uh, we we hear diagnosis of of full placenta previa, and so I wanted to talk about like what that is. And and we kind of talked about you you mentioned accreta too, but previa is where it covers the cervix. Mm-hmm. And to diagnose complete previa, it should be directly over the inner, it's called innermost side. So like the OS directly yes. over the canal of the uterus, which is the cervix, right? Mm-hmm. And for pregnancies 16 weeks or more when this is happening, the, sometimes they're diagnosed with a low lying. So low lying is when it's really, really close or say the edge is less than 20 millimeters away from the OS, like the cervix. Mm-hmm. And now 20 millimeters is one inch or two centimeters. And a provider, usually most providers, 20 or more, they're totally okay and comfortable with that. But one of the interesting things is, I don't, and I'm curious how you had yours, but a transvaginal ultrasound um, to diagnose the like placenta previa is way higher of a chance of it actually being accurate than an yes. abdominal. Mm-hmm. So did you have an abdominal? Yes. I had, it was transvaginal. Yes, it was. Okay. Yes. yes. Yeah. On both. So yeah. See, look at that. <laughs> That's so amazing. Yeah. So, yeah. So if there's, if someone's um, diagnosing you with previa out, you know, on the abdominal outside, you can also request a transvaginal because that can bring higher accuracy. Yes. Um, and if there are placental issues within the, so we get diagnosed and there's placenta issues within the pregnancy, then sometimes they will suggest 34 to 36 week induction. So yeah. that's another thing. Um, and then if there aren't any complications, sometimes that's 36 to 37. So just for those who have been diagnosed. And then I also want to mention that a lot of the times um, when we've got low lying or something like that, it does move throughout. Pregnancy. Yeah. Yeah. And it, do, and usually it does take a lot longer than that. I did so much research too. And so, yeah, just like what you're saying and it, it if it does migrate upwards, it never will migrate back down because your uterus is growing up, growing up. not down. Yep, exactly. And it doesn't, there's like a, and it's, it all is about where the, the placenta attaches to the uterus. So uh-huh. it's like this, this like tissue and you can't help it. It's just when the baby is conceived, where that attaches, there's nothing. Yeah. I mean, the C-section, a C-section and a DNC. It. So I'd had a DNC and a C-section can increase the risk of it. Yeah. Like you're saying, mm-hmm. but, um, but I mean, and I had a friend that was diagnosed with it and she even had some bleeding and, mm-hmm. and she almost had to have a C-section, but it had migrated more oh. than the, what did you say? It was 20, 20, mil, 20 millimeters or millimeters. one inch or two centimeters, two right. centimeters. Okay. Yeah. She said it was like three centimeters. And so oh, her provider yeah. was like Cleared comfortable her. letting her, yeah. her go. So, you know, I mean, I'm not saying everybody's just miraculously moves all the time, but like the chances yeah. are pretty good that it's going to move. So if you get, if your provider says that you need a C-section, it's just like, you know, just maybe give it some time and I don't yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's different. I can't, you know, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think it's just something that a lot of the times we don't talk about, right? Plus yeah. Previa, but it can be really scary when you hear it, it is. you know, 20 weeks, Hey, you've got this possible placenta previa or low lying and you might have to have a C-section. So then at 20 weeks, we're hearing, I might have to have a C-section and it immediately starts 
yeah. making, you know, our wheels turn. So it does. Yeah. It's crazy. And then last of all, I really want to talk about teeth. Yeah, <laughs> our teeth. pearly whites, our pearly whites. <laughs> so you obviously you're a pediatric dentist. And one of the interesting things that you have found is that you didn't realize, or I guess we didn't realize that C-sections can affect enamel. Yes, it can. So if you think about it, about at six months in utero is when the baby teeth are starting to develop. So anything that happened, like if the mom gets a fever, you don't have a certain like vitamin A, C, D, or E, which is really important for your teeth to mineralize. If you don't have the certain minerals, then your teeth can just be a little bit weaker when you're born. So all of these things in pregnancy affect the development of your teeth. And so when you're right at birth is when your adult molars, so the adult molars, you have four in the back and the front four on the top and the front four on the bottom, right at birth is when those molars start to calcify. So if you have, and I'm not saying like, it's not that a C-section increases, it's more of a correlation, I guess. It's not like a cause and effect. It's Uh a correlation. It's a correlation. Yeah. Yes. So And that's observed between like if you have anything that happens right around the time of birth. So a C-section, which sometimes you may, the baby may be a little bit earlier. So those you're, when you're Mm. born, you have things that happen at birth. Either the baby may be earlier or, you know, C-section has the baby earlier. Sometimes those things can affect the mineralization process of those six-year-old molars and the front four top teeth and the front four bottom teeth. So if you have, and it's called molar incisor hypomineralization. And so if you have something like that, it's just like a really good idea to see a pediatric dentist and you can put like sealants. Sealants Mm -hmm. can protect the adult molars from getting cavities, things like that to strengthen it. Also, being on antibiotics right at birth. That's what so, I was just going to ask. Yeah, there's a lot higher and it's not, you know, it's I, I'm not getting into the nitty gritty of everything, but certain antibiotics are worse than others. But that, yeah. so, because usually if you're, the C-section has a higher chance of having to be in the NICU and then the antibiotics. And so that can affect the mineralization process of your molars. And so that in turn can cause them to be weaker, which puts them at higher risk for cavities. So it's just like a, it's just so crazy that even a C-section can, can affect your teeth, which is my little small little bubble of medicine that I do. Um, Even that can, can have a role, you know? And so, and so it's not like if you have to have a C-section, you're not like, oh my gosh, my kid's going to have cavities forever. Yeah, it's like, yeah. It's like it just puts you at more at risk for that. Just like yeah. someone could be more at risk of being overweight, but there's things you can do, your diet and all that to to keep everything healthy. It's not like an automatic thing. There's things you yep. can do, you know, don't drink juice and eat sugar. There's things you can do to keep cavities from, from forming. But yeah, at around that time, that's whenever, <sighs> when everything's forming and it's just, uh, that's so crazy. <laughs> well, it's just good to know, like, okay, yeah, I've had yeah. these things. Cause even if you've had a vaginal birth with a lot of antibiotics, right. a grippy strep or something right. like that, it's really good to just kind of be aware. Yeah. So. And it's not, yeah. So not necessarily C-section, but just anything around that time, yeah. like antibiotics and stuff. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Oh well, thank this you so much. Awesome. Oh, you guys are the best. I love you. <laughs> well, we love you back. And yeah. we're so honored that you wanted to share your story and, and touch the world around you. 
Interested in sharing your VBAC story on the podcast? Submit your story at the vbaclink.com slash share. For information on all things VBAC, including online and in-person VBAC classes, the VBAC blog, and Julie and Megan's bios, head over to the vbaclink.com. Congratulations on starting your journey of learning and discovery with the VBAC link.